So that's again, it is. Wait, are you the only physio right now? Oh, stop it. We can't say that on, on the air. Yes, I am the only physio. That's it. I graduated in October. So, you know, if you need any help. <laughs> He's plugging already. Plugging while wearing a... While wearing After a that, that was the recovery. Uh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. He's an animal. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. <laughs> and he's wearing a hat to his first interview. Come on, man. He can't, can't wear a hat. That's not cool. He's fired before he got the job. <laughs> oh, oh, no. I, I didn't get the memo. This isn't sports check. You can't you can't walk in with a hat oh. on your first day. Okay, oh. okay. I'm sorry. Oh I'm sorry. <laughs> What is up, everybody? This is the PT3 Podcast with your favorite hosts, Prab, Waleed, and Michael. What's up, guys? What is up, everybody? We're here with a very special guest, someone who actually gave us a guest lecture in uh, our entrepreneurship unit during school. Um, Really inspiring guy, really motivational story, and his name is Nirthal. I'm going to let you introduce yourself a little bit more, though. So thanks a lot for coming on the show, Nirthal. Yeah, thanks, guys. Uh, happy to be here. And um, uh, sure, I'm, as uh, as you said, I did uh, I did a 15 minute talk for your class on entrepreneurship. It was very quick. I had to try to fit in a lot in that short period of time. Yeah. Uh, but I always I always love working with students. I always love talking to students. And um, uh, inspirational might be a little bit overstated, but it, it's fun. It's fun working <laughs> with students. So so happy to share. Happy to share how I got here. That's that's what I'll say. For sure. Yeah. And I think that's the difficult part too, right? Like in class, you only had 15 minutes and you had yeah. such a short window um, to kind of, I guess, like broadly touch on a lot of things that you've done. Yeah. So I think that's why we were really interested in getting you on the show to kind of expand on it a bit more and kind of elaborate on some of the things that you touched on. Yeah, it started off with, uh, I think, like 65 slides. And I was like, this is not going to work. 65 <laughs> slides. Cut, oh, my just God. Cut, 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 I just... think it was a panel, right, that day? It was a panel. There was, there was like, a panel, I was like one of yeah. people, 15 minutes. I was like, I was like, there's no way. So I cut it down to like 15 <laughs> slides at the end. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's a lot. We just kind of like just skimmed the surface on on kind of a lot of stuff. And we had to just because the amount of time we had. Wait, wait, wait. So let me get this straight. Are you telling me that you're going to do 65 slides right now? In this That's correct. That's correct. Oh, okay. all of you. Ready to go. All oh, okay. <laughs> They're in the back right now. That's we, we can't see it, but it's behind the computer. The slides. That's yeah, what I'm gonna yeah, do. Man. I'm gonna do all the slides. <laughs> yeah. So, um, just from my understanding, what we learned from you during the class is that you were a physio. You were a full-time physiotherapist, yeah. and then you shifted more into the tech space when you created your app, Curovate. So we actually downloaded it and started our five-day free trial yesterday. So we learned a little bit. We got to see how um, how it works, but I'd like to hear from you. What inspires you to create this app and where did the idea come from? Uh, sure. So one minor correction, which is that uh, I am still a full-fledged practicing physiotherapist. Like I've, I haven't left the profession. It's not like I, you know, jump ship and now I'm just doing tech. If I wanted to do that, then I would like yeah, make an app for stocks or something like something completely unrelated, right? Like I still mm-hmm. see myself very much uh, connected to, and I'm still a licensed physio- physical therapist, right? Like that's what I do day to day, and yeah. that's where the app came from. Like the app came from, you know, real life problems that I saw with patients that I was treating that resulted in um, the mobile health or or app solution that we've come up with. So it's still it's it's very much still about physiotherapy. Um, 
how it got there was more, uh, and I know some of the other speakers um, talked about this when when we were in class, but uh, it was like, like for a lot of people, it was problem driven, right? So for for me, the biggest problem that I always saw um, was about access to physiotherapy services and how do people that need access, how do people that don't have the money or aren't located somewhere in an urban center, how do they access um, physiotherapy services and benefit from the knowledge that the three of you are gaining and will practice very soon, right? So that was really the motivation for it was about access to physiotherapy. That was the primary objective. And then the secondary objective was um, how do we actually get people to do the things that we need them to do to get better, which is tough in our profession. And, and, and we're, it's, a, it's a struggle professionally for everybody, not just for new grads, but, but for people that have been practicing for 20 years, it's a struggle. So those are the main two things that kind of drive it in terms of, you know, could we take this thing that all of us are addicted to anyway, and can we make it, you know, can we use it for the beneficial purpose of improving access and improving adherence to physiotherapy? That's, that's, that's kind of where I ended up here. Yeah, and we we all downloaded it um, the other day um, onto our like mobile devices and played around with nice. it a bit. And I personally, I found it to be very intuitive and very simple yeah. to follow, which was awesome. So, who is this app intended for? The app is intended for patients that have had um, ACL injury or ACL reconstruction. So, if people, if there's non-healthcare people listening to your podcast, that basically means. The ACL is like one of four ligaments in the knee. When you tear it, you typically get surgery for it. Um, and the rehab process takes eight months to 12 months. So that's uh, it's that population plus the population of people uh, that have had knee replacements and the population of people that have had uh, hip replacements. So kind of three distinct um, like pre and post surgery groups um, that it's intended for um, to kind of help them with their daily uh, physiotherapy and rehab. Right. And then once you download the app, just for, for everyone like uh, listening to get a better idea of how the app works and stuff. So you've had ACL reconstruct, like ACL surgery, total hip, total knee, you download the app. Can you run us through uh, like how the app works, um, like how to sign up for it and kind of how just like a user would kind of be introduced to the app? Sure. So you come into the app and um, like one of the first things that asks you is uh, what surgery did you have? Right. So you know, what we want to do is we want to try to essentially make sure that the people that are in there belong in there, right? So if it's just like, oh, I have some like general knee stiffness, okay, that's not really what, that's not what the app is designed for. Or I'm looking for like, you know, a bunch of home fitness exercises. Again, not what the app's designed for. So we are niche and specific by design, right? We want to be in this surgery space for, to help those people. Um, so we don't, we're not trying to be everything to everybody. So you get in there and you see three surgery selections. You pick ACL, knee replacement, hip replacement. Once you select that, again, there's like there's a few more selections. So for ACL, there's different graft sites, right? So you can take the graft from the patellar tendon, the hamstring tendon, um, and and now there's more and more research coming out around um, how effective non-surgical rehabilitation is. Like physiotherapy, no surgery actually has really good outcomes after ACL tears and injuries. So you select that. So basically, select the surgery, select the uh, the, the graph site, and then you select your um, surgery date or injury date. And then the app essentially puts you into a, um, a pre or post surgical protocol based on uh, the information that you put in, right? So somebody that had a knee replacement, obviously would get completely different exercises. Somebody that had an ACL reconstruction four months ago, 
would get something very different than somebody that had it a week ago. Mm-hmm. That's that's really interesting. I mean, like, has it always been that way that you designed the app specifically for those populations only? Or have you tried to like venture out and try to make it a little bit more general for the public? Yeah, we started, originally the app existed only in Android and only for ACL patellar tendon. That's how we started. That was the only thing we existed for. And then what what we did is we uh, were fortunate enough to get funding through uh, AgeWell. So AgeWell is a national funding uh, organization here in Canada. Um, so we were fortunate enough to get funding through them. And, and we basically said, look, here's our app. You can look at it. You can test it. You can download it. It exists for ACL. The reason you should fund us is because we can do exactly the same thing for, for older adults with knee replacement, hip replacement. Like we already had, like here's here's the prototype of what we'll build. We just need the funding to do it. So AgeWell did fund us. And so that's uh, part of where um, actually a big chunk of our initial funding came from AgeWell to allow us to build the app for older adults for knee replacement, hip replacement. And I'll lead further to your question. Um, no, it, I mean, it evolved over the course of two and a half years um, from what we were hearing from people. So there's tons of things that are in there now that just, you know, uh, like Michael, you were saying, just seem intuitive. They only seem intuitive because we we kept giving it to people and kept testing it out. And people are saying, well, I don't get that. And I don't get this. And we're not there. Like there's still more that can be done in that, in that world. And the more people we talk to that have downloaded and used the app, the more we learn. Um, but a lot of that came about because we talked to people that we're using it for the recovery. And then they're like, uh, this doesn't make sense. Or I don't know how to do this. Or, you know, this thing is confusing. Yeah, I feel like a lot goes into, like I've never developed an app before or seen an app be developed before, but I feel like a lot would go into it. Um, can you tell us about some of the backend that went into the app that you had to figure out before even designing it and like where the whole idea came from? Sure. So um, we had... Um, uh, when we first started, it was uh, we came out through um, the entrepreneurship hatchery out of the University of Toronto. So it was myself uh, and uh, four engineers. We worked together to develop the first like uh, version of the app, um, and then we tried to get it into people's hands as quickly as possible. So we tried to. I had patients obviously at U of T, um, so I would provide it to them after surgery and say, "Hey, here, try this and, and download." So they, at that point, they couldn't even download it from the store. Like I had to like send them like this file and they had to like, you know, accept unauthorized apps and like craziness, but just because we had to try it out before we were even existing in the app stores. Uh, and then they would try it out. But again, all of that stuff that happens in terms of, you know, what goes into making an app, a lot of it is, of course, patient feedback. Like, here's what I want. Here's what's missing. So we did, even before any of that, we did kind of needs assessment stuff. So we talked to orthopedic surgeons physios and patients and said, you know, what do you, what are you missing? What are you missing from ACL rehab specifically? What things do you wish you had? Um, what things, you know, would you like to do at home that you have to keep coming into the clinic for? Um, and we use all that feedback to develop the initial version of it. So it was a lot about talking to patients. And then after that, it was working very, very closely with engineers, which they can do phenomenal things that I can't, um, right. And I can still keep the patient lens on it. Cause I could say, well, yeah, I get that makes sense for development, but that'll never resonate with patient, right? So it was that collaboration that really allowed that to happen. Meaning I don't, I can't code anything. I don't know how to code anything. So it's not that I'm sitting here on my computer and I coded the whole thing. Uh, yeah. It was absolutely through collaboration that I was able to do that. And it's super important for us physios, right? To kind of like reach across other professions and and because there's so much expertise that we don't have 
and, right. and we need to kind of bring in that patient patient part and and the healthcare part. Um, but much of it couldn't have happened without you know obviously working without working with engineers. Yeah, because um, we because we really preach this idea of being able to like communicate um, and reach across like our own profession, but we don't really talk about how we should reach outside of the healthcare community. So I I imagine that it must have been really difficult for you to even talk to the engineers and make sure that everything is like running really smoothly on the back end and everything. So would you say like that was like the biggest challenge that you faced when you were trying to design and trying to develop this app? I would say that um, kind of building off what you said, I, I think we're, you guys are way better interprofessional education than I ever was coming out. Like I graduated in 2001. So we were talking about it and we were learning about it. But from my understanding, you guys, like there's entire modules, like pain modules and stuff that you do with like pharmacy and all that, right? So that, that's a totally different world. I never did that, right? We never had like classes with pharmacists and occupational therapists and stuff like that. So we talked about it on a theoretical level. You guys are kind of living it, I guess, you know, and that's, that's fantastic. I think this goes even one step beyond it, and maybe it's only appropriate in the professional world, which is that then how do you talk to professionals in completely different industries, right? People in business, people in marketing, people in uh, advertising, people in technology. How do you then start talking to them to understand what they do and understand if what they do can assist what we do in our day-to-day life? And I I guess well, I would say that I definitely don't look at it as a, um, I don't at all look at it as a hierarchy. So it's not like, I'm designing the app and I'm saying, these are all the requirements. So now, you know, engineer over here, go, go build me that thing. It's not like that mm-hmm. at all, because that I think results in really, um, I don't think that's a fruitful collaboration, right? Because right. again, like there's a ton they know, there's a ton that I know, and there's a right. ton in between that we need to learn together, right? But mm-hmm. if it's just a matter of me saying, I want this, I envision it, so go and build it. I think that's a, it's a superficial collaboration. It's right. Yeah. And like, Almost going back to what we learned that week when you came in to talk to us, we learned a lot about innovation, what it means to be an innovator, what goes into the process of innovating, right? And a lot of times part of innovating is bringing people into your team that have a different skill set. Like you were saying, you don't know how to code, but maybe someone else can come and complement your healthcare knowledge and then you can create something completely new and something I think that's, it's been there, but something that's becoming more prevalent in healthcare, something that's very innovative is this aspect of telehealth and virtual care. That's something that, especially in the pandemic, we've seen it skyrocket. The amount of telehealth appointments, virtual care appointments gone through the roof. So based on your experiences, what what are your opinions on telehealth and virtual care? And how do you think it's been playing a role in patient care? Um, I think to echo what many people have said, I think it is definitely here to stay. Like I think it was, it existed before the pandemic. It will exist even more so after the pandemic. I think that looking at it as sort of a, as an innovative thing that we can just do now is almost not giving it enough credit. And it's not giving physios enough credit, right? Like if you, if you think that our only skill is manual therapy, then we've, we've missed a lot. We've missed out on a lot because that's not true, yeah. right? That's absolutely not true. So, you know, the fact that to some people it's now revolutionary, like, oh my God, we can diagnose virtually. Of course we can diagnose virtually. Like, I mean, if the majority of the diagnosis comes from the patient history anyway, yeah, why can't we diagnose virtually? Because it makes perfect sense, right? Like if we're, we're not, we have to get away from that myth of, of, you know, that somehow we're going to kind of diagnose people with these because 
with hands. I mean, sorry, I know we're not on video, so I should say it, um, that we're going to diagnose people with hands. You know, for the most part, that doesn't happen. It doesn't happen in clinical practice, right? There's very few gurus that I've come across that are just like, that are just magical for lack of a better word and can just figure out everything with their hands. Um, it's not, it's a myth. It doesn't happen, right? It happens. How does it happen? It happens because you talk to people, you hear common patterns, you, you put those common patterns into, oh, this is this diagnosis and you see it over and over again. So you kind of form these patterns in your brain that says, every time I see this, I know this is the diagnosis, right? And that can be done absolutely virtually. It can be done on the telephone. It can be done on video. So I don't think physio should look at it as revolutionary. I think we've been doing it our entire careers and, and it's, a, it's a natural transition, right? The more, I think, I think some physios are almost trying to convince patients of the value of it. Um, and that's almost unfortunate. It's like we missed a big part. Like when physicians converted to virtual, no one questioned the value. It was never, and it happened, it happened a bunch of years ago, but when it happened, the pandemic, it was like, oh my God, absolutely makes sense. Of course, it makes sense to see your physio virtually too, right? And that's not to discredit manual therapy, how important it is, how important it is to like physically be in front of your patients. I, I'm not discrediting the value of that, but you know, this should be a, a component of our practice ongoing for sure. Yeah, I think virtual, like you said before, it was kind of sort of picking up and especially after mm -hmm. the pandemic now, like it will be a a big portion or a portion for sure of physio assessment and, and treatment. Um, when I was on your app the other day, I noticed there was a virtual um, tab. Can you tell us a, more about that? Sure. So um, the initial idea for that was just, honestly, was just a trial. It's just like, um, I don't know. It's like if you had a website and you're like, let's just put this button here and see if anybody clicks on it. That's exactly what it was. That's what we did. We, we pretty much put in a tab that basically said virtual physio. We just said, just see what happens. Let's see if anybody clicks on it. And that button that you see in the app is really not very complicated on a technology side. Essentially, all it does is it sends me an email. That's it. That's, that's the, that's the high-level technology that it does. So it's like button, email gets sent to me personally, and I answer the email. So, so that's, again, it is... Wait, you know, are you the this, only physio right now? I'll stop it. We can't say that on, on the air. Yes, I am the only physio. That's it. <laughs> uh -oh. That's it. Well, you're exposing... That's right. You're exposing the company, Willie. That's not cool. Um, oh, oh, I'm sorry. It, it's I'm sorry. Uh, no. Welcome to startup world, man. This is. Oh, it. I, I graduated in October, so you know if you need any help. <laughs> He's plugging already. Plugging while wearing a. While wearing After a that, that was the recovery. Uh, yeah. Oh my goodness. He's an animal. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. <laughs> And he's wearing a hat to his first interview. Come on, man. He wore a hat. That's not cool. He's fired before he got the job. Oh, no. Oh, no. I, I didn't get the memo. This isn't sports check. You can't you can't walk in with a hat oh. on your first day. Okay, oh. okay. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm my sorry. God. Not have a part two. Sports check. It's not oh good my shoes. Goodness. You got to have a part two of this. I'll put on my best clothes for you. <laughs> interview tips with New Thought. That's right. What to not to do. Separate. <laughs> Um, sorry, no, we had a point here somewhere. Uh, no, um, yeah, so, so Michael, it was, it was just a test. It was just to kind of see what happens in. And more recently, what we've done is we've introduced in uh, a model where when people subscribe for annual and then another model that we tried, which is premium annual, annual, which basically means that they actually get like video sessions. And yes, with me, well, the, the only physiotherapist. Um, so, yeah, so, so basically uh, it's to follow up with people more consistently because we're still trying to solve that 
riddle of how do you improve adherence? Um, we knew this going in, but we're learning that just putting it in an app doesn't all of a sudden fix adherence, right? It's not, that would be nice if that was true, but it's not. So we're trying to take the really great components of what physiotherapists do live and in person. And we're trying to take all the great elements of what M Health could do for patients at home. And we're trying to find where is that, you know, where's that sweet spot between the two that improves access and adherence by kind of merging those two things. Yeah, like I feel like whether it's virtual or real life, something that most physios I know struggle with is, you know, selling the exercise, making sure patients yeah. are sticking to it. Yeah. And I feel like with an app, it's even harder, right? And it's even harder to make sure that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. So something I wanted to ask was, since the protocols, I know that they do go off the stage of surgery, the stage of mm -hmm. healing, how far the injury has progressed, yeah. but how do you ensure that the protocols you have on the app are, I guess, specific to each person? And how do you ensure that patients are, are staying on track in their rehab process? Like, how is that built in to the app? Yeah. So uh, let's talk about some advantages that M Health has, right? That we as physios in clinic don't, right? So the, you know, the average time that it takes a person to check a message on their phone is like seven to 10 seconds. That's insane. That's insane. Nobody responds to their mother that fast, right? Like it's a crazy fast response rate for anything that happens on a mobile device. The vast majority of humans don't leave their house without, uh, without their phone, right? Or they, and, and like charging it is like feeding your child. Like, like nobody, you know, everybody does it. Like everybody charges their phone. They're like down to 10%. They look like they're about to have a seizure. Like it's, it's that crazy. So there's already elements of mobile devices that we know are inherently addictive that have already been implemented into human behavior, whether you like it or not. So you can dispute it and you can hate it and not like it. That's fine. But it's already been embedded in kind of who we are. So it's already changed human behavior. So what we try to do in mobile health is try to take advantage of those things that already exist, right? We know it's going to be with this person all the time. We know that if there's some sort of notification, they're going to check it within a couple seconds. So you take those things that are when you, you know, when you write them down, they sound awful. Um, and you try to take advantage of how can healthcare be improved by taking advantage of these things that seem really bad and negative, right? Like cell phone addiction is not a good thing. It's not, it's not a healthy thing, right? Um, and we know that, but, but there's elements of it that you, that have already changed human behavior that's now wired into us. So how do we take advantage of that and do something in the healthcare space that's positive? That's kind of how I think about it on the M Health stuff. Um, the second part of your question was was uh, that adherence is bad. Adherence is bad, like in person. And and how do you make sure people are doing it? Well, you know, you can provide them notifications. You can provide them guidance. We know that simple things like like humans like rewards. So like simple things like you know you'll play a video game because you get like a reward. You get a badge. You get a star. So we've kind of implemented those things into the app. It's intentional. It's not like by accident. It's like oh here's your you know, one day badge, here's your two day badge. We literally do it by the day. So if somebody's like, they get like a hundred days of badges, like, oh my God, I got like, they can scroll through like a hundred badges. That's awesome. The next thing I want to do is, is start to put in badges that they haven't acquired. Cause we know when people see what's next, they're like, oh, I want to do that thing again, whether it's a game or whether it's an exercise, it's still something that's kind of embedded in us. Right. So wow. try to take advantage of some of those things that we know, you know, humans respond to 
and trying to use them for health is, is what I'd say. Well, if you look like you have a thought. I'll stop yeah, there. I have a thought. Um, that's an amazing idea. Like this system of how you've used like almost like a virtual setup where you can kind of like reward them and show them what's next in terms of their rehab process because it keeps them kind of going. Um, right. What is your advice then? For physios that are doing this stuff in person and interacting, like what kind of badges or rewards should we use in our day to day? Because right now it's just like, oh, you got to do this exercise and that's it. Or if yeah. they have some sort of pain, then the next time they come, yeah, did you do your exercises? Then it's right. like that's where it kind of ends. So, right. what's your thoughts on that? Um, so, there's been enough research done on this to say that humans care enough about virtual rewards as they care about real rewards. So it can be. Hey, listen, if, if you do this, I'm going to give you five bucks. Most people do it. It's just five bucks. They'll probably do it because it's real money. It's something that they can actually take and go, go buy something somewhere. But there's research that shows that if you give them 500 points, these points equating to God knows what, they'll still do it. So these virtual rewards have kind of inherent value in our brains that's as, as big as like real rewards. Like if you think of like money, for example, right? Um, so we know they'll do it for those things. So it really is an individual thing, Waleed, in terms of trying to make a connection with this person and what matters to that person and, and what's the reward that's going to, you know, kind of incentivize them in a sense to kind of do the thing that they need to do. So lots of times in clinic, the reward I use is the return to physical activity, the return to sport, the return to whatever it is that they love. And that's their incentive because I can't provide anything more powerful than that, right? So if it's like, I want to get back to playing basketball. We'll map it out. Here's your prognosis. I think that is six weeks away. But for every week of exercise they miss, it's another week away. So instead of six, now it's seven. Instead of seven, now it's eight. And, and we have to keep pushing it because, you know, there wasn't consistency of exercise. There wasn't progress. And so now we have to, we have to push it. That's not, it's not necessarily advocating like punishment. I don't, I'm, which I don't. I'm just saying that like of a real tangible reward that is meaningful to that person is ultimately going to be the thing that drives them. Right. And just right. to follow up on that, mm -hmm. um, one of the things that like has been drilled into us, like while we're going through our studies, is this idea of considering the biopsychosocial factors. Okay. So when we're doing our subjective assessment in person, we ask yes. these questions and all these things and, and then design a rehab program based on that. Yeah. How do you implement that into something that's virtual? Is it something that's always standard in terms of protocol or is it alter um, based on some of the things that individuals, because each person's unique, right? Like the ACL sure. tear for someone who's a basketball player who's in high school is going to have a lot more time than a person who's like 40, 50 years old who has a yeah. full-time job. Right. Um, I'm glad you didn't use the word old when you said 40, 50. That was clever. Smart. Should have said smart. 40, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yo, in their October, young October. I'm yeah, telling yeah, you, yeah, right. he's still he's still trying to get that job. I'm telling you, <laughs> he's being slimy about it. <laughs> he's thinking about it. He's thinking about his words now. Um, uh, yeah, and sorry. This this goes back to uh, this back goes back to what you were saying about um, about how you individualize it. Um, so what we're going to what we're starting to implement now inside the app is is goal setting because goal setting works like. Goal setting is a very important thing for humans, and it's very important that it's personalized, that it's like, this is my goal. The, the part that I dispute a bit is that, is that does everybody have to be unique in their ACL rehabilitation protocol in terms of like, by the end of week one, should a 19-year-old get 90 degrees of knee flexion and a 40-year-old should get 
50 degrees of mean flexion. That's not true. They both should get 90. So many things, if done the right way, should be driven by a protocol. Now, you can make an argument that this 19-year-old is going to return to seven days of basketball week and the 40-year-old might return to, I don't know, five days of biking week. I don't know, something else. Like, yes, the, the end result might be very different. What they want might be very different. But I would, you know, I wouldn't use kind of age in either direction as an excuse to say you shouldn't be hitting these milestones unless there's a surgical reason why you should not. Right. So if you had a meniscus repair and you're not allowed to bend your knee past 150, 120 for a certain amount of weeks, fine. That's fine. That's true across the board. But I don't think it makes sense to say, well, you're 40, so you're not going to hit 90 degrees at week one. You're going to hit it at three weeks. That's not true. Yeah. If it's done no. right, they should hit it at, at week one. Right. So what I would say is that probably what needs to happen is people need to be staged differently in that mm. this person that just doesn't have the time, this 40 year old is like, look, I have a full time job. I have two kids. I can get in like three days of exercise a week if I'm lucky. So yeah, yeah. they're not going to be going, you know, stage one, two, three, four, five, like clockwork. Whereas a 19 year old, if he has all the time in the world, he will. So they may be inside of a stage for longer, right? Where they still are working on the same things for two weeks or two and a half weeks. And then eventually progress to the next stage. But the stage progression, I would argue, would be the same when they get there might be different. Right. Okay. That's what I would say. That's what I'd say. Uh, And and, I mean, I don't mean to make that sound self-serving, right? Because I mean, the functionality of the app is basically that it it is, it is staged. Like that's the, that's the way it's built. Um, But what we recognize is that, yeah, people need to stay in certain stages for longer. So we don't advance anybody in the app forward a day or a week until they've done everything within that, within that day or within that week. Yeah. Cause I remember looking at the app, I'm just trying to wrap my head around it a little bit. Cause that was a really good question. We'll leave. Um, and we were talking about that before, like, how do we make it specific to the individual? Cause everyone's surgery. Yeah. You know, total hip, total knee, generally it's done the same, but like that sort of how everyone's progressing could be a little bit different. So we were curious how the app takes that into account. Um, yeah. So when we early, early days, we just had the Android app and we just had it for ACL, ACL patients. Uh, and we tested it out the app used to progress chronologically. So if you had your surgery on, you know, June 1st, today, it would be seven days later in the app and it would, it would go no matter what you did. So if you skipped all your exercise tomorrow, today, it would still go on to tomorrow, tomorrow, right? So originally it was chronologically designed. So it would just keep, it would keep moving. And what we heard from people is that the app acted as a form of like, it would discourage them. It acted as a form of like demotivating them. Because like they would skip exercises, skip a week or fall behind. They'd go back to the app and be like, oh, like I can't do any of this. So now the app turned into a reminder for them of all the things they couldn't do. So they're like, oh, I'm supposed to be jumping and squatting and lunging and I can't do any of that. Like I'm like over here. But that's because the app was moving chronologically. So that was one thing. We also heard from people that like this the way we used to word it is week one, week two. So we had everything up to week 52. So like week one, week two, week three, four. And then I had to tell people, I'm like, oh, listen, like I know you're at two months, but your functional level, you should be doing the exercises for week three. So then they move back in the app and do the exercise for week three. And then they just look at me and be like, like this sucks. Like I'm doing the exercise that somebody should be doing at their third week after surgery. And I'm like two months out. So that again, it demotivated people. Like it made them feel like I'm behind. And then 
when you demotivate them that much, it's now you have to work on building that person back up to actually even want to do this thing, right? And it's also already such a big struggle. So in redesigning the app, we completely changed that. So number one, it does not move chronologically. It only moves when the person moves. So unless they finish that full day, they don't move on to the next day. Mm-hmm. Unless they finish that seven days of exercise, there's a pop-up that says, hey, these are the, these are the things that you should have achieved in stage two. If you, if you did them, great. Check off yes, and we'll move you on to the next stage. And then they move on to stage three. But if they're like, no, I didn't, it'll keep them in that same stage. So it's much more driven by what the person does as opposed to the app moves ahead anyway. And we, we changed all the terminology to not be weeks, but intentionally to be stages. Mm-hmm. So I could talk to somebody that's a patient of mine and say, hey, listen, I know you're three months out. You should be on stage five. That doesn't mean anything to them. That doesn't discourage them. They're not like to them, they're just on stage five. They're not necessarily on week five in their brain, which discourages them to then do any exercise at all. Um, no, that makes that makes sense to have um, more of that individual approach and putting it in the stages and having it set to days and then move forward when the when the patient is actually at that stage. So they're not demotivated. I think um, that that was a big from the way you explain it. That sounds like a big step and something that was um, like a good call for for the app and the patients using it. Oh yeah, actually something I wanted to to say was that when I downloaded the app, the one thing I really liked about it was like the convenience of it. Just the fact mm-hmm. that like, so I have a, for example, I have a few friends who have had ACL tears and they've had surgery and they've gone to physio, but it was kind of on and off because you would have to go into physio. And then sometimes when you're working, it's hard to get in as much as often as you should. Right. But I feel like one thing I really liked about the app is just it's right there everything right. you need to do for the day it's right there there was like a morning session i, I when i right. did it i faked a non-surgical acl so i think i was <laughs> in stage i want to say stage eight or something like that yeah. and then it had a yeah. morning session afternoon session and an evening session i'm like this right. is great because it's very yeah. convenient it's, all the reminders are right there i really i really liked it and i think the main thing i got from it like i was saying was the convenience factor so and i do think that virtual care um, does offer that it offers a right. convenient, uh, alternative or not even just alternative, but adjunct to physiotherapy sure. traditionally. Right. So just based on what we've seen during the pandemic and current trends, how do you think this virtual care model will kind of continue to progress? And how do you think it'll fit into the future of healthcare just to end, end things off? Um, so I think the, um, I think the ideal scenario is what you described, which is that this person that has had surgery is going in to see a a physiotherapist that they're getting treated by, and then they are going home and using this app to do their daily guidance, right? So so everybody that has like, even if somebody had the best coverage in the world, they're not going to see a physiotherapist every day. No one is, right? So even if they have unlimited coverage, they will see their physiotherapist as much as they're able and can, but they they still need daily guidance, which we're not we're not capable of providing, right? We don't, we're not there to see somebody every single day. So in in that aspect, that's sort of the ideal world scenario. We have to acknowledge as physiotherapists that that very rarely happens. And that a a big part of our drop-off happens because of, because we don't sometimes have tough conversations with patients. Mm -hmm. Meaning if somebody walks in the door and they have $500 of coverage for physiotherapy and they're going to stop at $500, then you should have an honest discussion with them about Mm-hmm. How can we structure this such that, you know, you get the best rehabilitation that you can? That doesn't mean yeah. seeing them 
you know, four times in two weeks and they're discharged after two weeks of, uh, you know, <laughs> rehab after ACO. And that's unfortunately what happens, right? Like they're seen as much as their coverage allows and then they stop, but there wasn't an honest discussion had between the person and the physiotherapist say, listen, this person says, I have $500 of coverage. I can't afford anything more. Okay, fine. Here's how we're going to structure it such that I'll still see you for your last appointment at six months post-op, right? Even if that means we stretch everything out, that's fine. As long as they're getting guidance throughout the whole process. Um, and that there can be arguments made for, well, they should prioritize and they should, you know, they should allocate more money to physiotherapy and all that. That's fine. That's another discussion, probably another podcast. Um, and that's also an individual decision that you often can influence, right? That's I have, a, I have another chance, basically. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty much after we graduate in October, we're going to do another podcast episode once Waleed is hired. Oh, you know it. <laughs> once he's hired. Once he's hired. The once words. Got to put it out into the world. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Yes. So this, this will be like a fall 2022 podcast once he, you know, yeah. once he's hired yeah. down the road. Yeah. <laughs> fall 22. Wait, whoa. Yeah. No, that's no, like that next was, year. That was a joke. That was a joke. Oh, <laughs> no. Don't do this Steve, to me. Don't on. do this to me. <laughs> you have a whole year to make it up. <laughs> oh, my good Lord. Um, I'm never going to recover from this. I just hope you know that. <laughs> oh, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Um, so, so uh, sorry, I was just saying. So, I think that is something that needs to be done. I think the ultimate solution is uh, is that the two work together, is that there's synergy between the physiotherapist in clinic and the and you know, people that are using mHealth solutions, which is going to happen more and more anyway. I think that our responsibility as physiotherapists is at least to be aware of and find ways to integrate with these things. So I'll give you the simplest thing in the world that I've done. For the past probably 10 years, I've asked people to, to check the step counter on their phone. Okay. And this is for, let's say this is a this is an older adult that doesn't have a lot of uh, sport, maybe doesn't have a lot of sport goals specifically. And they don't necessarily come in with, oh, I want to do this once I'm done therapy. So what I need to do is I need to give them something, right? I, and, and so what I say is, you know what, open up your phone and let's just check your step counter. Every every smartphone has a step counter now. Okay, let's look at it. What do you think you do in a week? And they're like, oh, I don't know, maybe 7,000 steps, whatever. We look at their step counter and almost always it's lower than what they think, right? So they're getting 3,000 steps, 3,500 steps. So one of the goals that I try to kind of uh, implement with them is let's make it such that once we address this problem, that you are then at... 6,000 steps, you're at 8,000 steps, whatever, like, let's make that kind of a future goal. And that's something that's living in their pocket that's measuring anyway. So why not use that as just like the simplest form of an mHealth solution? And that's what we need to be doing, right? Like, let's find mHealth solutions that already exist. Let's evaluate ones that exist and say, I think this will also help you in addition to what I'm doing, right? This is, it should never be seen as like a this or that solution. It's not like you're either going to go and see a physiotherapist or you're going to use an app. That's not really what we're talking about. What we're talking about is how do we all work together, like work with mHealth solutions to try to help improve the patient's outcomes, right? And I think, I think we'll get into problems if we look at it as in opposition to, because it won't resonate with patients, right? Because they're going to use this stuff whether you like it or not, right? You don't have the authority to then say, hey, don't use that. So you better find ways to work with it and find ways for it to benefit the patient because that's really, I think, what will resonate with people. Yeah. 
And, and the other thing that's like good about it is the fact that everything is accessible for them, I imagine, when they sign up to Curavate. So the amount of visits that they need to do could be spread out then and given that versatility through the app that you and the services that you offer. Um, so I'm going to transition out of this one real quick, and I'm going to end it off with a question that I usually ask all my guests and we never send it to anyone. Uh-oh. So, oh, shoot. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm testing you too now. Here we go. All, All right. right. Get some water. <laughs> oh, yeah. Get some. Yeah. You, you drink that water. <laughs> you might need it. <laughs> All right. Go I'm going to just head out. So, here. <laughs> so, so, um, wait, is it still physiotherapy related? It's not like, oh, yeah. yeah. No, okay. I mean, it's yeah, like, yeah, it's, cool. it's, oh, it's, fine. I'm not going to like put you on the spot and hold you. Like, it's interviewing you now. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, I gotta see what my future boss is saying, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm just joking. Okay, so um if there was a billboard that you could sign off on and there was one thing that you can put across the billboard, what would that billboard say? Oh man. Uh is this a sorry, is this a billboard for it's not specific to one person. It could be physio. It could be anything. It's your billboard, right? Whatever you want on it. What does it say? Okay. It says healthcare access for everyone based on need and not based on their ability to pay. That's what it would say. And I'm borrowing very liberally from public health, obviously. Okay. I, I got to write that down. Say that one more time. <laughs> I don't know if I can say it again. It's, Wait. Hold on. Okay, listen. No, we got to write on. that down. We got to okay, write that on. down. Okay. My bra- okay, let's try this again. Healthcare access for everyone based on their need and not based on their ability to pay. Nice. Amazing. That's what it would say. It's fantastic, man. Like, Speaking of not paying, I, sh- I, I, will, I will open up your uh, app access for all of you so you guys can access it past the five days. <laughs> Whoa! Oh my goodness! I might I know, go. Right? I might I go destroy my ACL just so I can I know, use right? the app. This is big. This is big. This is big. It's like up there. It's like free condo. Oh it's like it's, it's up there. Oh, oh my God. goodness! Oh I am man. actually like so flattered. I'm so Stop happy it. right now. Stop it! I'm blushing. I gotta hide behind. <laughs> we, gotta, we gotta make a billboard now, guys. We gotta get this billboard up there. Get the billboard up. Yeah. Get the billboard up. <laughs> we gotta get to work. <laughs> oh my god well that was great i think that's a better spot than any to end it off on um we just wanted to say thanks so much for coming telling thank us you. about what you've been doing and healthcare access for everyone is definitely something that we agree with for sure it's definitely something that that came across when we use the app definitely the intuitiveness the convenience uh it definitely gave us that vibe and i think it's gonna be very helpful for everyone who's using it and just thanks so much for your time and for coming on to the show. Yeah. No problem, man. It was, so it was fun. It's good. Yeah. It was awesome. Well, if no one else has any more questions and Waleed is done asking for a job, <laughs> I, think, I think we're going to wrap it up. This has been, this has been the PT three with your hosts, Prab, Michael and Waleed. Stay tuned for the next episode. Take care guys. Take care. Peace. Peace. See you guys.